Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Happy Fourth of July to everybody. Happy Independence Day. I know it was yesterday, but as I found out at about 7.30 this morning, people were still shooting off fireworks in my neighborhood, so I guess they were still celebrating it this morning, and you hear uh, the uh, scoffing, if you will, from the voice of the Texans, Mark Vanderbeer, right there. Mark, how you doing? Well, uh, eight-year-old Liam has these like popper things. He doesn't have my have them. Oh yeah. And I, you know, even those, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a total control freak. Well, actually, I am, but and I'm not a total careful freak. I should put it that way. But I'm, you know, he's eight, right? Yeah. I don't want to be yeah. going nuts with these things. And I told him not after nine thirty last night and a bunch of other things. I, I really made it tight. <laughs> You know, he, I know we, after this show, he's going to be bothering me about doing some more of those things. So we'll see. Maybe I'll celebrate in July 5th wall. the right way. So yeah, do, July do the July 5th thing, Johnny. <laughs> I saw some fireworks in the land of sugar and they were nice. And uh, it was great to have that day and this day. And uh, I'm excited. It's July, man. It's coming up. We have camp in three weeks from I don't know when the first practice is Friday, yeah. Thursday, something like that. Yeah, no doubt. My uh, the Harris women are out in LA. So my daughter was Instagramming the fireworks that she was seeing from her back porch in North Hollywood, which is totally and completely weird to say uh, that they're out there, but they're out there for the (laughs) month of July and they are hopefully going to enjoy LA. I just looked at the weather a little while ago out in LA and North Hollywood. And it's like, Oh, come on, man. I mean, 79 degrees in the middle of the day. Oh, that's good for them, though. I mean, I'm happy for them. They get a chance had, to experience um, that. I had 79 degrees uh, during the massive rainstorm earlier today in my car, oh, well, yeah. so that was pretty good. Yeah, there's that, and there's been plenty of that, and hopefully uh, over my side of town we don't get that because we got one yesterday. Holy smokes. I did not think I was going to get my inaugural trip to the grill to do ribs, but I was able to squeeze it in yesterday. So, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, they came out pretty good. I got to admit, I mean, they came out pretty good. A little different. I didn't do the whole smoking thing, and I didn't do all that. So I Wait. I steamed them, then put them on the grill. So how that's long did, did you cook them for? I steamed them for about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and then I put them on the grill. I don't know on the grill. Twenty minutes after that, I guess they ended up being good. Thing is, my wife and my daughter. Well, my daughter's a vegetarian, but my wife doesn't like ribs. She's from North Carolina. You would think oh. barbecue would be something she loves. She does not love barbecue at all. She does love Eastern North Carolina barbecue. But if you know anything about barbecue, you know those are like night and day. So with them gone, I'm thinking about all these different foods that I can do and ribs I've never done because, well, they've always been here. So I decided to do ribs yesterday, and they, they came out okay. I also did – what else did I do yesterday? Oh, I made my son's mac and cheese that he likes, and then I made a blueberry cobbler. So with them gone, I'm doing a lot of cooking. I'm st- I'm staying busy. I need football season, Mark. I need football season to Soon be enough. here to give me uh, give me something to do other than getting fat and cooking. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk football and not cooking on the show. In our next segment, I saw a post. The Texans are playing AFC East this year. And I saw this post on, I think it was on Instagram, that I thought was interesting of the four teams in that division, four key games the Texans are going to play against the Jets, the Bills, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. We'll get to that in our next segment. Mm. But I've been working on a series as my voice cracks there, and I finished it. I think it was last week that I finished it. 
I did the Harris 100 top 100 players the Texans face in 2021. But the one thing I didn't do was I didn't sit down and go, okay, well, who are the best players just regard, regardless of position? I almost said irregardless. Regardless of position that the Texans will face in 2021. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pass my homework off to Mark. I'm going to give my homework to Mark for him to come up with the ultimate 11 players the Texans face. Regardless of position, I know who I have at number one. Okay. And it's not a quarterback. It's I bet not a we quarterback. have the same one. I bet we have the we same one. We might have one the same one. one. So here we go. Mark, your ultimate 11 players the Texans face in 2021. All right, we'll go through these, Johnny. And I want to preface this by saying, you know, usually we talk about quarterbacks and the MVP quarterback yes. debate. Uh, can yes. you have an MVP who's not a quarterback? The quarterback is the most important position on the team, blah, blah, blah. We have these talks all the time. But I really think that uh, it's interesting this year when you just point out that, oh, my gosh, they have to face Patrick Mahomes. No, they don't. They have don't. to face Tom Brady. No, they don't. They have to face Aaron Rodgers. No, they don't. There's some good things about this schedule when you look yeah. at it that way, as far as the quarterbacks go. Not that there are any layups here. There's no layup right. in the National Football League. And you do have some very tough quarterbacks who are on this list. But let's start here. I'm going to go from not worst to first, but lowest when we go ultimate 11, 11 players. Right. And number 11 is, and I know it hasn't been a really great spring as far as he, the media, and his organization, but Stephon Gilmore, Johnny, uh, yeah. for the New England Patriots, is a very tough customer, as we all know. And I expect him to be good again. Now, uh, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not all that. Uh, the Patriots have all those opt-ins from the opt-outs last year. But remember that this little uh, dynamic will help them out an awful lot. I mean, every boat rises with that tide when you add those players back into the mix. And Gilmore, he'll play. All right? I know he's unhappy with the contract and everything, but at some point he plays. And he's my 11th best player that the Texans will be facing this year. You know, it's interesting, Mark, with, with Gilmore, I, I agree with you as far as where, where he's placed. I, I, I think you're, you're dead on. When I was going through it position by position, mm -hmm. I had three Patriots corners make my Harris 100. I had right. three because you know about Stephon Gilmore, and I don't want to take anything away because maybe it'll come up, but J.C. Jackson is phenomenal. He had nine interceptions last year, which Jeez. is one of the highest totals there, there's Jeez. been. And, I mean, uh, Xavier and Howard had 10, 19 between those two guys. But then you also have Jonathan Jones at nickel, who really played very well. They have three cover guys that they can throw at you at any point and kind of mix and match how they want to cover with you. Now, the Texans have had some success against them. Part of that was because they had Will Fuller. But Brandon Cooks had some success against them last year. So I'm curious to see how the Texans – will face those three guys. At least that game is at NRG Stadium. October 10th, number 11, Stephon Gilmore. All right, Mark, number 10. Number 10, I'm going to stay at the cornerback position and go with Jalen Ramsey of the L.A. Rams. I know you're thinking, how is he ranked as low as 10? Yeah. But look, I do value quarterbacks higher, even though I just went through that whole quarterback spiel. Definitely. Ramsey is difficult to play. You know, the weird thing about Ramsey, Johnny, is also I'll never forget the matchup with Hopkins in the season finale in what was that year, 18, when Hopkins and Ramsey went at it again. 
Yeah. And it was 18 because 19 was the Titans. to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was 18. So it was 18 at home. And Ramsey kind of took the day off on Hopkins, yeah, right? He was giving him a big in. cushion. Hopkins was having his way. Ramsey was not up for the big task that day because he was unhappy in Jacksonville and the rest is history. And I just look at that. Ramsey is capable of these kinds of days. I don't like players who do that ever for whatever reason. He's right. outstanding. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen when the Texans play the Rams this year at NRG Stadium, but I'm putting Ramsey at 10. Because of that, I'm punishing him, and he's the 10th best player the Texans will face this year. You have a long memory. I totally had forgotten about that, and you're right. I didn't care for that either uh, with Ramsey. But, man, he's good. He good is grief. Good. When he is on, my goodness, Texans face the Rams, as Mark said, Energy Stadium, Halloween Sunday at mm. noon. All right, Mark, number nine. I'm dressing up. I don't know as what yet. I might be Howard Stern, <laughs> as I often am, but that but would look funny at the stadium if I arrived that way. Number nine, another defensive player, and you can argue that he should be ranked higher as well, but it's a week two matchup by the lake. Miles Garrett is the ninth best player the Texans will face this year. Look, we all know how dangerous he can be rushing the passer, yep. stopping the run, just wreaking havoc, game wrecking, all of that. I believe he's worthy of this ultimate 11 assignment. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I don't I don't think you're wrong about where he is. And here's the thing with Garrett, and this is the scary part, is that Garrett is capable of being the number one player on this list. I mean, he has he has that talent. He has that football ability. I mean, I always when people ask me the difference between Miles Garrett and Devian Clowney coming out, I always said, "Well, I think Garrett's a way better athlete." which is crazy to say because J.D. But I thought J.D. Was, was, a heck, was a better football player. Garrett's football playing skills, I think, are still kind of catching up to his athleticism. When those two intersect, forget it. But they haven't quite, quite gotten there yet. So I think number nine, is a good, that's a good spot. Texans will go on the road to face the Browns. This time in September, last year it was in November, and it was brutal. Well, brutal. You oh. could still get a weather delay like they did last year. You could still get I a know. weather delay in September very easily. In fact, more I easily, I think, than later in the season. All right, let's oh. do this now. Number eight, the first Yo, quarterback. Joe. All right. Yeah, he makes an appearance here, and it's a quarterback from L.A., but it's not who you think. It's oh. the second-year signal caller yeah. with the Chargers, Justin Herbert. I didn't even have Stafford in my ultimate 11. I know Stafford's I real good. But yeah. here's the thing about Stafford. I just go back to Thanksgiving Day matchups with the Texans. In fact, in 12, he was a lot better than he was last year in that game. This is a 4-12 and football team the Texans were, and they turned Stafford over. Stafford, you know how I feel about him. I know Andre loves him. I know that he's got tremendous arm talent, and maybe this is it. This is the marriage made in heaven. He, McVay, the Rams, the L.A. thing, the whole deal. Maybe it's wonderful for him. And I'm talking more about Stafford than I am about Herbert right now. So let's put Stafford to the side. Herbert, Johnny, year two, year one was no aberration. I'm just afraid you're looking at a guy who is going to be one of the elite players in this league at the possession at the position in year two. He makes my ultimate 11 Texans opponent players, and he is number eight. Yeah, and and the Chargers also then went to the offensive line. They went and signed Corey Lindsley to play on the offensive line. They went and got uh, Rashawn Slater in the first round to play tackle or guard, depending. They went to bolster the offensive line in front of him. 
Uh, I think eight is the perfect spot for Herbert, and I think he is only going to ascend. I, I think the if as long as they continue to protect him, I think the Chargers could be a sneaky hot team. I think the West is going to be tough, obviously, with the Chiefs. But everybody kind of trying to get to the number two spot. I don't trust the Raiders at all. The Broncos, Bridgewater or Drew Locke, eh, you can have them. But then you talk about Herbert. That defense has still got a Bosa and Derwin James and Chris Harris Jr. I mean, they still got some players on that side of the ball. That team could be sneaky hot. Day after Christmas, Sunday, new kickoff at Energy Stadium. Justin Herbert. Last time I saw him live was at the Senior Bowl, and, man, he impressed the heck out of me. And then he showed it off last year uh, throughout the NFL. Boy, he was fantastic. Lucky number seven is up next. Here's here's number seven now. I wanted to put Keenan Allen on the list, also a Charger who I think – is underrated as a player, but whenever you talk about underrated wide receivers, his name always comes up. So maybe he's not that underrated after all, but he's a steady, reliable route runner, really terrific playmaker for that franchise. But I'm going to go back to the defensive side of the ball here, and maybe I'm giving him too much respect because he's a cult, but Darius Leonard, Uh, who I think could have a big year in Indy, you know, we're talking a lot about that in the offense and Carson Wentz and everything, but maybe we should be talking more about this defense and what they're capable of. You know, I know Leonard, you know, he has this, a little bit of an ebb and flow thing going on with his career, but it could be a flow year for him. And I just think he's a cult. I'm going to give him some, I'm going to give him a wide berth here and a lot of respect. I'm going to put him at number seven. Do you have another cult on this list? No, I'm done with them. So you go Darius Leonard over DeForest Buckner. Well, I, I toyed with the idea of Buckner, and maybe he's even more important. But also, I think Buckner's ability enables a guy like Leonard to yeah. shine even more and maybe steal more headlines than a Buckner would. Uh, Buckner's probably you know reg- regarded as a better player right now overall, perhaps, and maybe I should have put him up there. I thought about this, having two Colts on there, but I was starting to like throw up a little bit in my mouth, so I just put Leonard <laughs> on there. Remember, and I think either – I think Gary Kubiak said this on Brian Cushing's The 53 that Suds put together. Tyler Suds, you got to see it. Mm-hmm. And I've said this a few times about Cushing. I always feel like Cushing was the soul of that defense. Yeah. Like that – he was the guy that gave it the intensity, the energy, the, just the panache. I think Leonard does that for the Colts. I don't know if he's the best player on the Colts defense, but I know that he's what drives that Colts defense. And so for that, I, I would give him, I give him uh, absolute credit. I think you're dead on. All right, number six. All right, number oh, six. Guys, I'm waiting to hear. I'm waiting to hear for a few guys. Okay. All right. Number six is the most painful addition to this ultimate oh, eleven no. Texans opponent list, oh, no. as I could imagine. And it's not JJ Watt, who I don't think is in the top eleven here. Uh, not that Watt is incapable of having a big game against the Texans. He's certainly capable. Yeah. But I think DeAndre Hopkins is somebody that you have to really be careful with here uh, on any given day, and especially against his former team. And I just think he's obviously a terrific receiver, terrific player. I put him at number six, Johnny, dangerous guy. Driving through Phoenix the other day, I wanted to call him and say, hey, but I didn't think he'd be in Phoenix in the offseason. But the Texans will be in Phoenix, Glendale to be uh, exact, Sunday, October 24th, taking on the Cardinals and Kyler Murray and J.J. Watt and number six, DeAndre Hopkins. As soon as you started that, I was like, oh, no, I know where this is going. Oh. It still stinks. All right, Mark, number five. All right, top five. It's hard to call this guy underrated. And you're going to ask, well, why do I have him rated ahead of Hopkins? I I think this guy does slip when we talk about 
the best receivers in the game. And Stefan Diggs to me is yes, one of them. Good. And I was on break and I was in a hotel room and I was watching, you know, the NFL network does a great job of just replaying recent playoff games, like two, three, four years ago. And they were yeah. replaying the Minnesota miracle. Right. Oh yeah. And yeah. that game alone, you just see how unbelievably mighty Diggs is. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's so Good. He's such a terrific playmaker. He's clutch. He's all those things. And look what he's doing now in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I think yep. Diggs is extremely dangerous. Uh, I really wanted to put Nick Chubb on my list somewhere because I think yep. he's also another dangerous guy. But, I, you know, I only have 11 spots here. I put Diggs as my number five player this Ultimate 11. I think you're dead on. I think Stephon Diggs would be in my top five for sure. I think you are absolutely dead on with that. And Diggs and Hopkins being that close. I mean, I think those two guys played as well as any receivers played last year. Um, and we'll see both of them, unfortunately. All right, let's go to the final four. Starting at four. All right, final four. Here we go. Quarterback Russell Wilson, yeah. who, okay. look, we saw what he did in 17. We saw yep. what he did in 13. We see what he does yep. every year. And Golly. he is one of those guys you can never count out. He can make plays with his legs. Uh, he's having a bad day. All of a sudden, he makes two, three throws, and the whole game is completely different. Uh, he's going to be at your place. This is a very tough competitor and definitely deserves to be in the top four here. You know, sometimes quarterbacks are overrated. He's not. He is a franchise player in the Pacific Northwest, and he's coming here again for the first time since 2013. Don, I mean, when you said 13 and 17, he's only faced the Texans twice. But my God, talk about steel hearts. Oh, Holy my gosh. smokes. Both times. I, I mean, both times. I mean, just snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. My goodness. Okay. Johnny, so that, that game, I listened. It's weird. I was on a plane, and for some reason, all my downloads for TV programming didn't work, and my music yeah. was screwed up. I, and I, I went into my audio files, and for some reason, I had the last quarter of that Seattle game in 17. Oh, just man. a radio call. You, Andre, myself, calling that game. And I'm listening to it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. By the way, we ran the ball three times, didn't we? Did we run it three times trying to get the first down to keep it away from Wilson? I'm like, oh, please, just. And, you know, it's funny because funny. Two years later, there you are at Kansas City and he trusts him and to throw he it, throws it and make a play. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, just throw it because they're waiting on the run. You know, let him do something. And it's easier said than done. It's easy for me to say now, hindsight being perfect and all of that. Uh, that game, though, was such a heartbreaker. I'm like, gosh, oh. make the stop. But he hits a those big play to get it deep in the minutes. territory. Oh, Man, those awful. last 15 minutes are just incredible. And by the way, I think he would have pulled it on the zone read on that final one had he been healthy. But he knew he wasn't healthy. And uh, away you go. Okay. That's right. Final three. I think I know two of them. I'm trying to figure out who the third one is. Okay. Final, final three. three. Number three. Josh Allen. Yeah. I put Josh okay. Allen actually ahead of Russell Wilson. I just think Allen took a huge leap. Statistically, yeah. it's proven uh, for the Buffalo Bills. They made it to the AFC championship game. Uh, this is a big game for him. He knows it. You're up there. And Josh Allen has become one of the premier quarterbacks in our game. His ability to run and throw and throw it much better than he did earlier yep. on in his career. Uh, this is going to be huge, and I just think he deserves this status of being a top three opponent of the Houston Texans individually in 2021. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I knew that's where you were going. Now, these final two, I know one of them. I'm not sure who the other one is, so I'm curious to 
hear these two. All right, your final two. Here we go. All right, my final two. Now, you could put either one in any any of the – I mean, you could do that with any a lot of these guys, right? But uh, yeah. number two is going to be a defensive player uh, for the L.A. Rams, Aaron Donald, who uh, I'm sure you might have as the number one player the Texans will face – uh, this year overall, uh, the ability to stop the run, to rush the passer, to wreck the game, you know, same things we said about Miles Garrett, but obviously the different way, different body type, all of that. Aaron Donald is a total train wreck for the opponent, and he's one of the best players you're going to see all year. I know you have a number one. I don't know why I didn't think of this. I'm so stupid. Well, I am so I, stupid. I'm so dumb. I, it, it's like one of those things where it's right under, it's like right underneath your nose and you just can't see it. But I would have had Aaron Donald at number one. I just, I know. I've, I've watched some, I've watched some of his games, you know, on the All Twenty Two over the last few years, just because I want to see what he looks like. We don't get to see him very much, but I remember going out and seeing him in seventeen. Like, okay, it's his fourth year in the league. How well, third play of the game, he just lines up wide and goes right by. I think it was Sufilo, and I'm like, oh my god! And it was just, he was so quick and so fast. He's incredible. But I just figured out who you have at number one, but. You break it to the people because my guess is we face this guy twice a year. Well, yes, we do face him twice a year, and he posts workout videos on Instagram <laughs> a lot. It's like watching De Niro working out in Cape Fear. You know really? what's coming, and and you just hope you can stop it. It's Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. He's a superstar, super stud, and you got to find a way to slow him down for the first time since that 2019 matchup up there when you're able to hold him in the 80s, which for him is a very low total, and you were able to win the football game. You've got to find a way to slow him down. He is a nightmare. You do face him twice. They are the defending AFC South champions now, so good luck. Got to find a way to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it, but to me, he's the number one guy because I've said it. I got to back up my MVP call. He was the MVP of the league last year. There's no doubt in my mind, and he's on his way to doing it again unless people can find a way to stop him. God, you just he, he defies every description and everything you you know about a running back. Big upright runners don't work in this league. Eh, that ha that's happened. Um, guys that take a lot of hits, even in college, they don't make it this league. Guys, running backs that sign big second contracts never make it in this league. Oh, he'll run out again. None of this is happening. He's defied description. Every time he gets better in the fourth quarter with carry 22 or 23, if he ever gets it high. I mean, he's absolutely been phenomenal. And, of course, he saves his best for the division. I think I read a stat mark on him, and I believe it was if you just took the six games that he had in the division, just the six games in the division, he still would have been top 10 in the league in rushing. That's, that says everything you need I to know. Scary. Absolutely. Yeah. Downright scary. Okay, I got a few to bounce off of you to see why they didn't quite make the list. And the AFC East, is it loaded offensively in 2021? The Texans face them. I'll bounce that off Mark as well next right here in Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, Sean Harris. I am here. My man, Mark Vandermeer, is there. Mark, you did a really nice job. I got to give you credit. You know, I used to grade homework all the time. And that's as good a homework assignment as I've seen in a long time. You did very, very well. The ultimate 11 players the Texans face in 2021. 
Uh-huh. I have a few to bounce off of you that I would have considered. I want to get your thoughts, and I will start with the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. No. I just think Herbert is going to be better. All right. You could argue he's better already in some ways. They've given they've given Murray a lot of weapons, and he's got one more now. So yeah. let's see how that goes for him. I just think as far as quarterbacks on this list goes, I think if GMs were drafting, Josh Allen's going ahead of Murray. I think Herbert's going ahead of Murray. And I think Russell Wilson's going ahead of Murray other than age, right? So mm-hmm. I'll leave Murray off for now. You mentioned Nick Chubb. That mm-hmm. was – and I would have given him similar consideration, not, not to Derrick Henry, but I'm with you. I would have kept him probably just, just a hair uh, out of that list. But Derrick Henry is number one. What about wide receiver A.J. Brown? Yeah, I think Brown certainly deserves a long look. I think as far as the receivers on my list, Stephon Diggs and Hopkins are better than Brown, right? I think any GM would would take those guys over A.J. Brown, other than, again, age possibly being a factor there. Uh, I look, I think highly of the guy as a player. In other words, I hate him like poison because he plays <laughs> for the Tennessee Titans and he makes yes. plays against the Houston Texans. And I think yeah. he got a lot better between year one and year two. So I'm not that enthusiastic about year three here, but we got to live with it and see what he brings to the table. But to me, it was kind of on the outside looking in here, Johnny. I think a lot of guys can be. And, you know, like there are other corners that I consider like Tredavious White and Denzel Ward and, you know, Xavier Howard, you mentioned him, you know, you could argue over Gilmore maybe, but uh, look, they're all good. They're all good here. Right. And I felt like I needed to put a Patriot on there. I don't know why. No, I don't disagree with you. I think, I think a Patriot should have gone there. I'll ask you about two guys that haven't been healthy or weren't healthy last year. One team probably suffered a little bit without him. One team, did things that that organization hadn't done in decades. If you had to put one of these two on the list, mm. who would you pick? Browns wide receiver OBJ, Carolina Panthers running back extraordinaire Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey over OBJ all day long, twice yeah. on Sunday, because, look, I know they both have injury issues, right? And we saw it up close and personal with McCaffrey in 2019. Yeah. We thought, oh. is this guy going to be able to last? You know, they're using him more than the Texans used Dominic Davis back in the day, yeah. right? They're just yeah. pressing that McCaffrey button all the time on the Xbox. You've got <laughs> to find a way to get him a little bit of a rest. And eventually they paid the price for it last year. Him added to that attack is definitely going to be something to deal with. How did they get to the Texans in 2019 with Kyle Allen? Well, McCaffrey did a whole lot, right? So everyone is, you know, and I, I'm with you, you know, week, week three, they're coming in Thursday night, you know, they weren't that good last year, but you know, I get it. And I'm, I feel that way too. However, I'm reminded of what happened in 2019 and I'm thinking, geez, you know, here we are. We don't really even know what the Texans have yet. You know, we yep. see it on paper. We want to see it on the field. Uh, they're going to be tough. So I think McCaffrey certainly would deserve the nod over OBJ, who you can throw in there, and he's going to make a player too, but he's really going to yeah. carry that team. And by the way, with Chubb and the Browns, I would have put him in, in more as a nod to their running game as an ensemble, as an attack mode, yeah. you know, with Hunt and Chubb and that line that just has developed a nastiness to really them good. by the lake there. They are just, they're one to be reckoned with. And if Mayfield can just keep his head on straight and throw more accurately, which I don't think he's been doing enough, they are extremely dangerous out of the AFC North. 
Yeah, they that offensive line. I, I think if you ask Texas fans, they would, you know, regurgitate, oh, Colts, Colts, Colts. Yeah, because the Colts offensive line is very, very good. But that Browns line with Jack Conklin and Wills at tackle and Wyatt Teller, Batonio at guard, and Treader in the middle, that line, there isn't much, if anything, that separates the Browns offensive line and the Colts offensive lines. And I think Chubb and Cream Hunter are just a hair ahead of Jonathan Taylor and the group in, in Indianapolis, but there's not much that separates them. I think those might be the two best offensive lines the Texans are going to face uh, in 2021 uh, with those two. I mean, they are they are exceptional. Unfortunately, you got to face Quentin Nelson and the guys uh, twice. Ugh, I'm not looking forward to that. Now, we also faced AFC East, mm-hmm. and Mark, I happened to see this. And I thought it was a good talking point in facing the AFC East. And it, I don't know who – I think it may have been the NFL that posted this on its Instagram. And it just said, choose your AFC East all-star offense. One quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, and one tight end. And just when I thought, hmm, okay, I'm going to go with that group, then I was like, nah, I don't know if I like that guy. So – Obviously, the four teams in the AFC East are the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Patriots. So from the Bills, that's Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox. Dolphins, Tua, Miles Gaskin. They picked Jalen Waddell over Devontae Parker, Will Fuller. Tight end, Mike Gesicki. The Jets, Zach Wilson, Tevin Coleman, Corey Davis, formerly the Titans, and Chris Herndon, the tight end. And the Patriots, Cam Newton, Damian Harris, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry. So as I thought about this in facing the AFC East Mark, and, and those are the, the groups, I was like, you know, I don't know if any of those offenses completely and totally blow you away. However, there is some firepower in each offense as you look at it. Which one is the more difficult one to face? Is it the Bills because of Allen and only because of Allen? Well, here's how I feel. If I'm a defensive coordinator and you're allowing me to cross one of these off the list, like – Hey, coach, you don't have to face one of these groups. Which one are you crossing off the list? Like, I don't have to deal with that. Bills. Automatically. I mean, bills, bills, bills. I'll take my shot at Zach Wilson. I'll take my chances with Tua trying to really get his career going here year two. And I'll definitely take take my chances with Cam, who is just you know minutes away from his next injury. And I hate to put it that way because I do like Cam, but I just it's been a rough go for him lately. And the Patriots, I believe, can have a pretty good year, but that's largely based on their ability to play defense to me with all the opt-out guys coming back more than their ability to play high-level offense. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think crossing the Bills off. I think Josh Allen, it's it's crazy because Josh Allen is just enough, not even, I don't even say wild card. He's, He's excellent out of the pocket. And that scares me. Whenever you have to face a guy like that, you just don't know, man, he can have one of those days. We've seen that before. I mean, obviously we saw in 2018, we saw him do it in the second half of the playoff game. But 2020, Josh Allen went to a whole different level because he harnessed that consistency. And then you're like, wait a second, he's now being consistent and he's making some of these plays out of the pocket and he's delivering from the pocket. Stephon Diggs helps him immensely. Yeah, the run game is what it is. I, I just if, – if there's a way that you could slow Diggs down and force him to go to somebody else, yeah, maybe. Maybe you've got a shot. I think the Dolphins, to me, as I look at that list, if Tua is 
legit with Will Fuller and with Devontae Parker and with Waddle and with Jakeem Grant. They may be as fast mm-hmm. as any group in the entire NFL. And Gasicki is yeah. ridiculous. So you throw all that in. And Miles Gaskin, I think, is extremely underrated. Extremely underrated as a running back. But I do think the, the running game holds him back a little bit. I think the offensive line is not quite there yet. It's not in the, the classes we mentioned, the Browns and the Colts. So I, I think their offense held back a little bit because of that. But we have no idea what Tua is going to bring to the party. There were times where you looked at it last year and went, okay, ball's coming out quick, coming out hot, doing some good things. Last game of the year when they've got to win, he throws three interceptions against the Patriots. Now, the Patriots will make you do that. And I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and it wasn't even an NFL podcast. It was more a college football podcast, but it was a scheme, a defensive scheme-related one. And the, the host, a guy named Coach Vaz, who's excellent, was talking about the Patriots and what he sees from them defensively. And he's like, they are the best schemers by far, Ooh. without a doubt, that – that you find in the NFL. And he said, just, they're just amazing uh, in what they can do. And uh, that game with Tua didn't get brought up, but I got, got to thinking about that. Like, yeah, you know what? I could see them doing that to a rookie quarterback, just kind of winding their, you know, just, just tangling those knots um, with what they do defensively. Um, but the Patriots, as I look at that list, I know they did a ton this offseason. John o. Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, they did a lot. I really don't fear that offense because of Cam being so banged up all these. I mean, the last couple of years, he hasn't played even close to a full season the last two, three years, I think. Mm-hmm. They did Carolina Panthers. They did Carolina Panthers uh, all or nothing in 2018. He missed half that year. So I just don't know that. And, and again, going back to your thought about Zach Wilson, I'll face the Patriots and Mac Jones all day. Cam right. Cam can find he he's got enough guile to get them to a win, like right. he almost did against us uh, last year. But rookie, I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. So I think the Dolphins could be the wild card in that group. I think the Jets' talent is getting better, but I think the Dolphins, with what they were able to do, uh, getting Jalen Waddle kind of moving up and down the board to get back to number six to get Waddle, give him to Tua. Tua is used to throwing to him and then see where that group is. I think the Dolphins, in due time, could end up being the group of those four that scares the most, even with Josh Allen. I think the Bills need one more piece. You know, The Bills need one me- more piece. Well, probably one more piece to get them to the Super Bowl level, right? Yes. yes. But I think as yes. far as the AFC East winning the division yes. level, I think they're in really great shape. And then you said it yourself. You're looking at possibly rookie, rookie, and second-year quarterback, and then Josh yeah. Allen, as far as your yeah. quarterback mix right there. And, you know, how many plays last year did you see Tua make where you're just, oh, my gosh, you know, flame yeah, throwing plays, even with his legs yeah. doing things that are really cool. He had, coming back from the hip injury, so much has been discussed there. Who knows what he's feeling inside. But with Josh Allen, even when he couldn't throw it that well, he still had the, the fire hose arm. And yeah. legs that could make plays. And now he's putting it together with accuracy. Oh, my gosh. It's frightening. Now, the sports media in New England, they're talking about, well, see, hey, uh, I, I don't know why I'm doing Charlie Casually talking about New England sports, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to scrap the sports. I'm the, uh, the, the Boston <laughs> accent right now. The point is this. They were talking about possibly Hoyer 
getting some snaps. If Cam's not completely healthy and Belichick having deer in the headlights eyes on seeing Mac Jones and training camp struggling, possibly why not put Hoyer in until Jones is ready or Newton is completely healthy just in case he's not. If Newton's healthy, it's Newton all day long, in my opinion. It's got to be, right? I I think think healthy, non-COVID cam is going to make some things happen to the point where you're going to say, well, we got to play this guy, right? So it's kind of interesting what they're talking about up there with the quarterback situation, but they do have Hoyer as a potential Band-Aid until other things could be ready. Boy, he's sometimes a small Band-Aid. Sometimes he's a big band-aid. I think it's with a defense, well. you know, I, I think it's a three or four week thing for anybody with him, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. that's not an insult. It's not no. an insult. He's lived in this league. Heck, we saw him in 2009. He's been in this league for a long time. That says is something. he a rookie that year. So this is his 13th year. My goodness. It's at least, I believe he was undrafted, a rookie that year. Undrafted guys stuck around that long. Oh my goodness. Before I let you go, uh, the news about the Cowboys getting hard knocks. Your uh, I, uh, I love it. I, it's a, you know, it can be a distraction. I think it's always fun to see them. Um, you know, the Cowboys supplying endless amounts of content to NFL yeah. memes already and to hard knocks. <laughs> uh, you know, I go back to 2002 and you know, remember the rolling ball of butcher knives and the Cowboys yep. singer, you know, the West country and Western singer guy and all this other stuff that they had going on in that hard knock series. Uh, I think it's good stuff. Yeah, it definitely is good stuff. Not as good as Vince Wilfork showing up in overalls in the locker room and just <laughs> overalls, but it's the fourth time, and it's the fourth time for a reason. Mark, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Johnny. All right, we get back a little quickie going around the NFL next right here on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. One final segment of this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. Hopefully you all had a tremendous July 4th holiday, had the weekend to, and and today, I know a lot of people had today as well. Some people didn't, some people did. I know my guys at Sports Radio 610 all took the day off, but we're still working. That's okay. Everybody's got to get a break every now and again. It's a good time to get a break because football is going to be here before we know it. Actually, I guess maybe we can look at it and say it never left. It never left. As As we go around the NFL... You realize that because down in Jacksonville, or over in Jacksonville, because they're on the same latitude line. Latitude, longitude, longitude, latitude. God, latitude, right? Yeah, long goes, yeah, latitude. I'll figure it out one of these days. You'd think I went to a smart school. That said, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars have come to an agreement on a deal. Now, this was a bigger deal back in the day, prior to 2011, actually, so... 2010, I think it was Sam Bradford, was the last first overall pick to negotiate that deal without the CBA slotting, if you will. But Trevor Lawrence still going to get paid. Four years, $36.8 million deal with a $24 million signing bonus. I believe that's entirely guaranteed, if I remember correctly. First round deal, so fifth round option, but there is some difference in the language and such for Lawrence um, and how his bonuses get paid out and all that kind of stuff. But point being, Jacksonville Jaguars have number one overall pick locked in. Now, they also have got a fine coming 
for off-season training activities that um, went awry. Three teams, the Jags, the Cowboys, and the 49ers, violated a team, uh, I'm sorry, violated rules set forth by the league's collective bargaining agreement. The NFL responded with fines for three teams and their head coaches. The Jaguars, the Cowboys, and the Niners were each fined for off-season workout violations. Jacksonville drew a fine of 200000 San Francisco and Dallas were each fined 100000 And that's the teams, that's not a whole lot. However, new Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer was docked $100,000 for violations. Mike McCarthy coached the Cowboys. Kyle Shanahan coached the Niners. They each got $50,000 in fines. All three teams will also have to forfeit undisclosed amount of OTA days in 2022. Now, there's no telling what exactly they did um, was wrong, but they got docked. I think the interesting one is Urban Meyer. Coming from college, not to say that every college coach cheats or does things um, without regard to following the rules. Urban Meyer is thought to be a guy that did some things that didn't always fit, maybe not fitting the rules, but there were some moral obligations, I guess is maybe the best way of saying it. In other words, there were times that he said, we're going to run a clean ship here at the University of Florida. We're going to do everything possible to run a clean ship but then some of his best players were not good guys off the field, and he turned a blind eye to it uh, often. So we'll see how that works in the NFL. But had a straight coach that had been fired at Iowa. That did not go over well, and now they get fined here. Look, each one a big deal? Not really, I guess. But you can start to see some of the seedlings of, hey, we're going to do whatever possible to win down in Jacksonville. We'll see if it pays off for Urban Meyer and see how long he can deal with losing. Because he didn't lose a lot at Ohio State or Florida, either one. And when he did, it was not good. Physically, it was not good. So we'll see how he handles it. Because nobody's gone undefeated. Everybody loses in the NFL at some point. It's how you handle it and get better week after week after week. We'll see how he can do that in the NFL. Former 49ers coach. Terry Donahue, maybe more known for his time at UCLA, but did coach the NFL for 49ers, passes away at the age of 77. He was a tremendous uh, Pac-10 at the time coach. And I remember when he went to go do college football games on CBS. He did a lot of SEC games. I thought he was very good, very good. And then he got into the NFL. I think it was after that he got into the NFL coaching the 49ers. Not as successful, but did spend some time in the NFL. Terry Donahue passes away at the age of 77. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Appreciate you guys being here. As always, big thanks to Mark for stopping by, to Eddie for producing. Y'all are the very best. We'll see you tomorrow on a Tuesday right here on Texans All Access. See you then, everybody. Go Texans.